Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Good to have you guys with us. So welcome you guys and everybody online. We're in a series called Unstoppable. If you just join us in the book of Acts. And so we are journeying until September in the book of Acts, going straight through, looking at key passages of the early church. Because you have to understand something. The movement we're a part of right now, in, which is the greatest movement in history, started very meagerly. And it's amazing to see how it started. So if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 6 this morning. This is Acts 6 verse 1. Well, we live in a very distracted society, right? Especially with the, the rise of, of cell phones that can do everything. They're smarter than what we are. They're not smartphones. They're brilliant phones now. Um, they can do anything. And with that, uh, there's one study that showed that employees oftentimes spend a large amount of their time on their phones. Matter of fact, one study showed that an employee will spend an average of 56 minutes a day on their phone. That's the average. So if you're like, well, I never look at my phone, then that person next to you is like, well, I look at it two or three hours a day because my job's boring, right? Um, and what they found out was is that that's five hours a week. And over a year, an employer will lose 260 hours from their employee by just looking at a phone. And I don't know about you, but I got to a point in my life where I actually turned off. I get no, notif I get no notifications, or very, very few. My buzzy, my phone does not buzz, and my phone does not ring. Because I got to the point that I was getting so much all the time, messages, emails, everywhere, buzzing, ringing, buzzing, that I actually started getting anxiety. I couldn't sleep at night. Because as a pastor, you continually got people coming. And so I just turned it all off because here's what I realized. I was constantly being distracted from things that really matter. And, and, if, and if you're thinking today, man, I'm distracted as well, then me and you are in good company because in the book of Acts, what we're going to look at today is the apostles had a situation where they got very distracted too. And so before we jump into that passage, though, realize this book was written by the only non-Jewish writer in the whole New Testament named Luke. He was a doctor. As I've said before, if you're skeptical of Christianity and you're not sure about this Bible thing and you don't know, well, Luke actually wrote his gospel, the gospel of Luke, about the life of Jesus, to a friend named Theophilus to let Theophilus know what happened with Jesus. And Luke wasn't there. You know what Luke did? Luke researched it. He had interviews. He met with people. And he gave them just the facts in the Gospel of Luke. But he didn't stop there. He wrote a sequel to Luke called the Book of Acts to help his friend Theophilus understand not only the life of Jesus, but something really important, the early history of the early church, which was the 30 to 40 year history. So as you read the Book of Acts, this is a 30 to 40 year compilation. And what is beautiful is this. We haven't got there yet. But right now, the book of Acts is written from a point where Luke is talking about what they did, what the apostles did, because he wasn't there yet. We don't know if he was even following Christ yet. We're not sure when he exactly became a follower of Jesus. But in Acts 15, when we get there, you're going to see Luke join Paul's team. And from that point forward, it's not they, it's we. And for 13 chapters, Luke is journeying with Paul in this. And so what's happened to catch up to speed here to Acts 6 is last week we saw them selling property and extra possessions because the early church needed money, and here's why. They were all Jewish. But as they were Jewish, they believed in the Jewish Messiah, but that caused a lot of controversy. A lot of the Jews were really upset that these guys were following Jesus. And so what happened is they started withdrawing support because these were kind of an outcast part of the Jews. They weren't even called Christians yet. Right? There wasn't even really a name for them. There were these guys who were proclaiming Jesus as Messiah. And so persecution arose from outside of the church from Jews. They had support withdrawn from them. So now how do they get support? They started selling things off like a yard sale, right? 
And now what you're going to see is they had not only problems from the outside coming in, but now we see the first problems inside. And what I love is people say all the time, I wish I just lived in the days of the book of Acts. That would have been amazing. That would have been the best church ever. No, you're going to see why. That no matter when you get people together, there's always uh, problems that happen. And so look at Acts 6, 1 of the problem that they faced here. And it says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, that's a powerful statement. You think, man, that's awesome. Look at the thing that happens right with it. There were rumblings of discontent. I don't care where you go to church at. Now, I think Thrive is the best church on planet Earth. Amen? Right? Actually, I'm just biased, okay? I think that. But no matter where you're at, when you're in a kingdom movement, rumblings of discontent are going to happen no matter where you're at. And it happened to them. So you're like, I wish I was in the book of Acts. Man, I'd love to have been there under Peter's preaching. Well, you probably would have faced the same thing there. You'd have been discontent about something that Peter did, right? But here's the problem they faced. Here's the rumbling. It says the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. They were saying, hey, look, we're not fully Jewish. And these guys are fully Jewish. And since we're not fully Jewish, you're actually discriminating against us. We're not getting the same. When Meals on Wheels comes by, we're getting shortest in chicken nuggets. <laughs> that bread you're giving us is moldy, and these Jewish women over here, they, they get all the good stuff. And they were upset about that. Now, was that true? We don't know if that was true or not. But it did become a problem in the early church. And it says, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said this, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. That's strong, isn't it? Could you imagine coming to, to Pastor Peter or Pastor John or Pastor James and saying, we feel like we're being discriminated against. And he's saying, look, I ain't got time for this, man. I ain't here to run a food program. I'm here to preach the word. That's what he said to him. And this is incredibly important, and you're going to see why this is important, because he goes on to say this. It says, and so, because of this, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. And this is, this, now this is great here. This is why the greatest miracle in the book of Acts. Everyone liked this idea. <laughs> That's a miracle that everybody in the church all like the same idea, right, um, with that. And he says this, um, and they chose the following, Stephen, a man of full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. And watch this in verse 7. This is what happens, and this is the result of what they did. So God's message continued to spread. And what you're getting ready to see here, we don't see again in the book of Acts and didn't see before. It says the numbers of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. Now watch this. And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. What happens here is they have a distraction. The believers are rapidly multiplying People are getting saved left and right in Jerusalem. Things could not have been better. And then a problem occurs. Now, anytime a problem occurs, that's a distraction, right? Because you do. When problems happen, you can't hide your head in the sand. You've got to deal with problems. And so what they did was they could have got really involved in that problem. They could have really just delved into it. But what the apostles did was something really important that we have to understand when it comes to distraction. They found the antidote 
two distractions. And then they saw results. And here's the antidote. It's called focus. They said, no, 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 no. They said, listen, I know that people have to be fed. And I know that Aunt Lila loves Pastor Peter coming and bringing her food. I just love when Apostle Peter comes by. He, say, he tells all the stories about Jesus and how much he loved. He was with Jesus. I did not. Oh, I just love when, when, when Jesus' half-brother comes by, James. He was great. Oh, I just love whenever Pastor Johnny comes by. And, he, and I, I'm so disappointed they can't bring the food anymore. They weren't distracted by what, what, what people thought. They were, they were focused on what God had called them to do. And when they did that, it says that, pe- that believers rapidly multiplied, that continued, and then Jewish priests begin to give their life to the Lord. And what I want you to understand today about distractions, what, which is really important, is what we can understand from these leaders is this. Where there is focus, there is fruit. Let's say it one more time. Where there is focus, there is fruit. Where there is distraction, there is no fruit in life. And one of the things we have to realize in our lives is we live in a world of distractions around us. And some are good distractions. The feeding of the widows, was that not a good, noble thing to deal with? That wasn't something bad. It wasn't like Peter and John and James were going off, you know, smoking crack or something. I mean, they weren't breaking into people's houses. I mean, they were, these were feeding widows. That's a very important task. And so they could have easily just been distracted by that task. No, no, no. These widows need some food, and we're going to do it. If, if, it, if, if it's going to be done right, i got to do it myself. But what did they do? They knew what the Lord had called them to do. They knew what they needed to focus on, and they refused to be distracted from that. And when they did, they saw great fruit to the, to the point even Jewish priests were converted. And I want to talk to you today because I believe all of us in here deep inside, number one, want to be fruitful. We know that Jesus calls us to be fruitful. In John 15, he says, I've called you to bear fruit. And all of us want to be fruitful. We want our lives to count for something. But, but here's the important thing we have to realize is that many times the enemy will distract us. And see, even Jesus knew the, the importance of like being focused. And Luke writes this, and it happened in, in Luke 9:51, he writes this about Jesus about focusing. It says, as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, because that's where he was going to go to be crucified. And Jesus knew the power of focus in focusing on what God had called him to do because he had many distractions. People wanted to pull him away to be, to be a king. They wanted him to be the political messiah, get him involved in political agendas and political arguments and all this stuff. And he, it says, as the time drew near, I love the King James, it says, it says he set his face toward Jerusalem. That was his focus. We're going to look later on in the book of Acts, and we'll be studying that when Paul, his call was to go to Rome. And he had friends begging him, don't go to Rome, Paul. You're going to die there. The Lord has shown me if you go, you're going to die. And what did Paul do? Paul said, I am called to bear fruit, so I've got to be focused on what God's called me to do. And my fear is that so many of us are so distracted with maybe even noble things, maybe even some good things, that we're not able to be focused. And here's what you have to understand. Satan wants to destroy you. That's his goal. But here's what I've come to learn. If the enemy can't destroy you, he'll just distract you. So maybe you're not, and maybe you are struggling with addiction today, right? Maybe there's substance abuse, and you know what? The Lord's going to help you, and you'll overcome it. You've got to get focused. But for many of us, our battle isn't, am I going to go out and rob a bank tomorrow? <laughs> That's just not on your radar, Right? 
The battle for us is, can I stay focused on the Word of God and focus on the things that really matter in my life to the point that I can begin to bear fruit because that's what God's called me to do. And can I tell you, if the enemy can't destroy you, he's going to distract you. That word distract means this. This means to pull apart, to break apart. And track means traction. And many of us want traction to move forward in our life. And so what does the enemy do? If he can get you to break apart from traction, that's distraction. And you never get forward momentum in your life. I don't care how young or how old you are. That's still the plan today. Think about Jesus whenever, like, the Lord, again, God called him to do what he, to, you know, be the son of God and die for our sins and perform miracles and rise again from the dead, all this wonderful stuff. When Jesus went to the wilderness and he was fasting for 40 days, what did Satan use? Distraction. He says, Jesus, man, I know you're hungry. Focus on food. Turn these stones into bread. Because I bet Jesus was starving after 40 days of eating nothing, right? I would have died, right? There would have been no crucifixion. I just would have died in the wilderness, right, if I was Jesus. <laughs> How about y'all? Jesus, Jesus, if you're going to be a king, jump off this, off this temple, and when everybody sees the angels catch you, and he kept distracting him, and Jesus kept bringing it back to focus, and bringing it back to focus, and we have to do the same thing. And probably the most encouraging passage on focus, and on focusing on God's work, comes from Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was, was way before Jesus, and what he did was he led a group of people after the exile. Jerusalem was destroyed. The walls were torn down, and the walls were key to keeping the enemies out. Nehemiah left and brought resources to rebuild this wall. And he's focusing on rebuilding the wall and protecting Jerusalem and all this, and he has these people named Sanballat and Tobiah the Ammonite. Anytime you engage in God's work, you're going to have Sanballat and Tobiah the Ammonite. They're going to lie. They're going to gossip. They're going to spread rumors. And you know the whole purpose of that? Anytime you have Sanballat and Tobiah the Ammonite, it's to distract you from the work of God. And that's what they were doing to Nehemiah. They asked him many times, come down and meet with us. They questioned his motivation. They sent these letters. It's almost like posting on social media this day and time, right? They sent letters that were not sealed. Because you saw they would seal it with wax and stamp it. They sent unsealed letters all around and got it circling through even their own camp, even in Jerusalem. Because these guys were not part of, the, part of the Jews. And what it said was this, like, even if they try this, a fox is going to knock these walls down. Are they really building the wall to offer, like, questioning, questioning Nehemiah's motive, questioning the quality of his work, and they kept going after him day after day. And you have to realize that you're going to have people, you're going to have distractions that come after you, vying for your attention. And here's what Nehemiah says to him in Nehemiah 6, verse 2. I love this. And this is after he realized that they, 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 they just didn't want to talk to him. They wanted to do him harm. It says this, but I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. And I love this. Some of you, some of you need to print this out and post this everywhere you can. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. I love this. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? There are some distractions and people in life, you just say, I'm sorry, I don't have time for you anymore. I don't have time to engage in these conversations. All you want to do is argue and fight. I refuse to do that because I'm focused on the work God has me to do. 
Some of you, all you want to do is get out and go party and drink and go and bring me back into what I used to be as a juvenile. I'm not getting pulled back into that anymore. I've got better things in my life to do. I am focused on a great work, and I cannot come down off the wall. Friends, we have to have the same mindset that when you're serving Christ, that you've got to be resolutely focused on the work that God's called you to do. And here's the thing about Nehemiah. Well, I tell you, focus brings fruit. Can I tell you how important that is? Because Nehemiah finished the work. Him and the team finished the work in 52 days. Rebuilt the wall. You say, well, what does that matter? It should have taken them three to four times as long to rebuild that wall. But why did it only take them 52 days? They were focused. They were in prayer. They were focused on God, and they refused to be distracted from the work God had called them to do. And that's what you and I have to do. Because you're going to have pleasures vying for your attention. You're going to have social media vying for your attention. You're going to have haters vying for your attention. You're going to have good things, people who just want your time. There are people, and listen, as you begin to grow in a sin and what God's called you to do, you have to get out of just everybody getting, getting your time. Not everybody should have access to you. Because time is the most valuable thing that you have. And Nehemiah let them down in a good way. He said, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't come meet with you. Because this is not a relationship that's reciprocal. That's going to help me focus on what God's called me to do. You say, that's mean, Kevin. Now listen, I do have relationships with people who are non-believers. Who don't know the Lord. They're friends of mine. I spend time with them. Because I'm investing with them. But there are, there are believers who just want to waste your time. They just want to get together and talk about Nothing. No purpose, nothing. You're like, listen, I've got work to do for the Lord. I can't be distracted. You've got to look at your circle of people in your life and figure out which ones are worth the time and investment. That's what Nehemiah did. Because here's the thing. If we don't deter distraction, we're going to end up with disruption. Very important. Nehemiah deterred distraction so he wasn't disrupted from the work. What they wanted to do was to pull him off that wall and to get him to stop building you know what Satan wants to do in your life? He wants to pull you off the wall to get you to stop building. You've come way too far in your finances to get back into debt now. You've come way too far with this addiction to fall back in now. Amen? You're doing a great work. You, can, you have focused so much on your kids and your family. Don't get distracted now. Some of you, you're doing a great work. You have focused on your spiritual life. You're actually reading the Bible you're praying, you're spending time with God, and you cannot let distraction disrupt the work that God is doing in your life, and it requires greater focus. Here's one thing that I've learned. This is why many people will never get to their full potential. This is hard. This is some leadership stuff here, because that's what you see in Acts 6 is extreme leadership from the apostles. The people who accomplish the most in life are very meticulous about their time very. One of my indirect mentors is Craig Groeschel of LifeChurch.tv and, you know, the, the, the Global Leadership Summit. As I begin to learn from him in an indirect manner and learning his schedule, every block in time of the day is completely filled up for things that are focused on the kingdom of God. Because this guy is doing things that nobody on, on earth is doing, right? Impact beyond what I could ever imagine in my life. And what I realized was this, I'll never make an impact anywhere close to that if I keep wasting my time with things that are distracting me. And so here's what I did through leadership coaching and people helping me. I block everything as an appointment now. Every 
week, I have a special time to write sermons and spend time with God. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. It would take an absolute, you would not get me off the wall for any reason. Well, I just got to talk to you. I got to have coffee. No, you don't. I need to focus on the Word of God in prayer. Well, that's mean, Pastor Kevin. Pastor Peter would have done that in the Bible. Yes, he did. I blocked that time, and that's me and the Lord and writing sermons, because I know I got several hundred people staring at me every week, ready for that. And I need to be focused and in the Word of God and dug into that, and every week that time is blocked out. Rarely, there's only a few people in my life that get that time slot if they need it. And I can promise you, none of them are in this building today. None of them. Pastor Keith is not here today. He's uh, out celebrating his anniversary, right? He's probably watching online. I'm he's really glad that I just divulged that to you because he's a very private person. Can I tell you about him? He will silence even my text messages or my emails and respond on a certain day because only certain times does he respond to certain emails. He does that to me, who, who I'm his boss. You know what I say to that? Kudos to you, bro. That's why you can do all that you do because everything is an appointment. Everything that I look at in my time has to be directed to is this the focus i need to bring more fruit so any when i when i go to the gym and work out well you're going to the gym must be nice no that's an appointment because i care about my health because i can't lead you effectively if i'm eating donuts all day and i'm sick and tired and in the doctor's office and not spending time with the word of god in prayer come on somebody right it's things like that everything time with my son isn't when i'm with my son that's an appointment with him when i pick him up off the school bus off the school line, at the car line, I am not on the phone. I drop phone calls when I pick him up because I want to talk to him about his day, how his day has been, and I'm focused just on him every day. That requires a lot more time in my day. So I'm telling you this, for some of you, if you want to make greater impact, if you want to see things in your life get better, focus is required. And here's what you have to do. Focus on what matters most right now. Focus on what matters most right now. That's the number one factor that people cannot do. When I sit with church planters or pastors or or business owners, they feel stuck, don't know how to scale, how to get to what is the most important thing you're going to do right now that moves everything? What's the one, what's the most important thing you got to do right now? And great leaders know that. That's what the apostles knew. The most important thing for them was not feeding widows. Somebody else can do that. We need to be in prayer and teaching the Word of God and reading the Word of God. And they knew that. That was the most important thing for them right now. Very unsuccessful people, matter of fact, people who are in poverty cannot figure that out. Well, how can you say that, Kevin? I work for a government agency to help people get retrained and get jobs. And I worked with other divisions that did resume writing and interviews and, and set up job you know, placement, things like that. Do you know the number one reason that people would not show up to interviews? They had a job. We got them a job. Because a friend or a relative needed a ride somewhere. And they chose to carry Ray Ray down to the 7-Eleven to pick up a pack of smokes than to go to their interview all the time. And you would sit down and say, you missed the interview. We had to set it. It was a layup. It was a good job. Yeah, but, 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 but Ray Ray really needed to ride down to the store. What am I going to do? You're going to tell Ray Ray no. He can walk. God gave him two legs. <laughs> and I know that sounds funny, but we do that all the time. 
when there's greater things that, that the Lord wants us to do or greater focuses, and we are literally giving Ray Ray a ride down to the store to get a pack of smokes, and you say, well, I don't know. When it comes to your children, can I tell you, if you have young children, the people who are older in here always say, man, it goes by so fast, and it does. Get off your freaking phone and spend time with them. Get them off the iPad. Hang out with them. Be a kid with them. It doesn't last long. Our lives are so short. And I believe most of us, if I ask you right now, what matters most in your life right now? And are you incredibly focused on that? I believe some of us couldn't even answer that because we're so distracted. And so what I want to do is I want to give you here um, in a second three questions to ask. And I want to give you the scripture before I do that. It's Proverbs 4.25. Solomon wrote this here, and this is very important. He says in Proverbs 4.25, he says, look straight ahead. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. What matters most right now? What lies before you that you need to deal with? All of us in here have a whole list of things. It could be finances. It could be health. It could be our children. It could be our mental health. Some of you need to go to counseling. You keep putting it off. Some of you, it is addiction. You need to get help with your addiction. Some of you, it is the Word of God in prayer. You're just not in the Bible. You're not seeking the Lord. And so what I want to do is I want to ask you three questions that I hope you take these questions and you write them down, you put them down somewhere, because you're not always going to have me in front of you teaching and preaching. But if you learn to ask the right questions, these are guiding questions I ask, these will help you. And a matter of fact, this is what I ask leaders when they need focus or they need something, I ask them questions. The first question is this, what will you regret the most not being more present in right now? I'm pausing on purpose. What will you regret the most not being more present in right now? The greatest distraction we have is the enemy keeps talking about our past to us, and you're so wrapped up in your past. I don't want to hear about your past anymore. The Lord forgave you. It's gone. Maybe you made some bad decisions. I don't care what that is. The next biggest distraction is your future. Some of you just worry all the time about your future. If you're always concerned about what you did in the past and you're always worried about your future, guess where you can never live? In the present. And that's all that we have is the present. Like my son, I know they just had, I mean, he, he got it. He's like, he's like, wow, he's, I love making memories. He's like, that's all we really have is memories, right, Dad? I was like, we're making a memory right now with this conversation, son. Everything's a memory. What right now do you need to be more present in in your life? Well, you're not present. Think about that, to be just present in the moment. My counselor asked me this several years ago. He says, when's the last time when you were walking that you felt the warmth of the sun? When's the last time you stopped and you, and you felt what a leaf felt like on a tree? When did you smell a flower last? He says, what do you think about whenever you're washing dishes? And my answer to all of that back then was, I, ain't, I don't know how warm the sun is. I'm just trying to get my next destination. Touching a leaf, bro. We wear some tie-dye t-shirts and, you know, <laughs> sandals and be a hippie. I mean, what, what, what is this stuff? And my counselor taught me that, that I was so focused on where I had to go and what I had to do and all the future, 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 that I was not taking mental snapshots of the present. And he challenged me. He said, I want to know about your mental snapshots next time we meet. And that was hard at first. 
He said, I want you when you're washing dishes to smell the soap. What does that feel like to your hands? Be present in the moment. And what I begin to do in my life is I have mental snapshots in my life of some of the most beautiful moments. And most of those are with my son, of walking, holding his hand, the buttercups blowing in the wind, the warmth of the sun. And here's what I've taught my son, be present in this moment. Let's pause and look at the sky and how beautiful it is and what God's given to us. Be present in the moment. Second question is this uh, right here, if you're writing down these questions. What is the most important goal to accomplish next to get to your dream? Well, I'm older, I don't have a dream. Yeah, no, we all have a future desire. None of you, all of us have a future desire. Call that a dream. What's the, what is the most important goal to accomplish next to get to your dream? I mean, I talk to pastors all the time, and I'm telling you, they're like, I want to do this and do that and all this amazing stuff. I'm like, okay, man, what, what's the next thing you got to do tomorrow? I don't know. I want to plant thousands of churches. I want to impact thousands of people. That's awesome. What are you going to do next, tomorrow? I don't know. Uh-huh. You got to know what you have to do next. That's what the apostles knew. The next thing we have to do is appoint people to feed these widows so we can stay focused on what God's called us to do. What is the next? What, tomorrow, what do you need to do to get more focused? Because some of you, your wheels are turning right now and you're thinking, what is that for you? And the last question that I want to ask this morning is this. What are the good things that could be distracting you from the God things in your life right now? Usually it's not a bad thing that the enemy gets us with. It's a good thing. It's an opportunity. And can I tell you, in my life, I get lots of opportunities. Pastor Kevin, we want to invite you to come preach. We want to invite you to come do this. We want to invite you to come do that. We want you to come here and do this and do that. And I've, I've had to learn that disappointing people is a key to being focused. I'm sorry, I can't right now. I don't have to tell them why. You know why, why I can't? Because I'm incredibly focused on what God's called me to do, on the wall that I'm building. And you have to think about what are the good things that are distracting you from the God things in your life? You know, a, a few weeks ago, I shared with you about, about Mary and Martha, and Jesus came to their house to get dinner. And Martha was focusing on the meal, which the meal was important. And Mary sat down at his feet and listened and had the conversation with him and spent time with him. We talked about that. And I want to show you that verse in Luke 10, 41 and 42 again, in the view of distraction. And it says this, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, why are you worried and upset over all these details? Worried and upset. There's only one thing to be concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary knew the power of focus in a world of distraction. And Martha was distracted by good things, not realizing Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is in her house. The last thing I'm going to be worried about, Jesus in my house, is meatloaf. Well, we fasted tonight, y'all. All of us, we fasted <laughs> We ain't eating a thing. And Mary knew that. I want to pose to you, as you look at the apostles and look at their, their extreme focus and dedication to what God had called them to do, what is it in your life that God's asking you to do? Where do you need to be more present at? What's the next thing tomorrow when you get up that the Lord's calling you to do to get more focused and not come off the wall? 
Then are there any good things in your life that are distracting you from the God things of your life? Because as you get more focused on the Lord and his mission, it becomes more about God than just good. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, we ask for your presence to help us. We ask for your Holy Spirit to speak to us, Lord. Because many of us are distracted by just good things, by pleasures, by hobbies, by our phones, by TV shows, by worries. There's so much distraction. I pray that you would help us to be focused, Lord, so we can bear fruit for your kingdom. And God, I ask that you would give every person to hear the courage to take that next step tomorrow, whatever the one thing is in their life, to do that. Holy Spirit, speak to every heart in here, all of those online right now, to what you're speaking to them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. As we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, maybe your next step is giving your life to Jesus. To be focused on his kingdom. You know that God's called you. You know that he's calling you to salvation. And maybe you walked away from your faith. Well, for the first time ever, you're going to give your life to Jesus. If that's you in here or whether you're online today, I want you to pray this prayer. Make this confession of faith after me. And it's this here. You say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit I can't save myself. I admit I need you, Jesus. So today, I surrender my life to you. I repent and turn from my old life. And I give my whole life to you. For I believe that you died on the cross, Jesus. I believe you rose again on the third day. And I believe you are the Son of God. Today, I confess you as my Lord. Now help me to focus on you and your kingdom. In Jesus' good name that we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate everybody who made that decision today. Amen? And if you made that decision today...